You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Welcome to the Future of Work podcast from allwork.space. I'm Joe Mernier, and today I'm really looking forward to speaking with Jonathan Weinbren, Managing Director of Bespoke, to learn his thoughts on the future of work and what's in the pipeline for one of the UK's most successful flexible workspace companies. So welcome, Jonathan, and thank you for joining us today. Joe, it's a great pleasure. Um, thank you, firstly, for having me. And also, I'm a massive fan of, of all work, so it's really great to, to be with you today. Thanks. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, this is a great start. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, first of all, I just want to learn a little bit more about your career leading up to Bespoke. Um, I understand you've been there for about two and a half years now. Um, but just to rewind a little bit, can you tell us how you first got involved in flexible space and your journey prior to joining the BE group? So you're taking me back quite a way, probably 15 years ago. I have to cast my mind back to right. um, my entry into the the marketplace, which was <clears throat> via the brokerage segment of the market. And I joined Richard Smith's uh, company, which was at the time Search Office Space SOS. He subsequently rebranded, mm-hmm. I think, in a couple of years ago as Office Freedom. Um, I knew Richard personally really well. Yeah. And he invited me to join the business, um, which was quite trusting of him because I had no experience whatsoever um, in regards to property, commercial or residential or otherwise. But I I was just immediately taken with this segment of the market. I found it fascinating and it was great. So I I really, you know, threw myself into it. It was a steep learning curve. And I spent 10 or 11 years, I think, with Richard actually, some of it in Asia and Hong Kong and the rest of it in in London. But I did a lot of business around the world. We, We were broking deals globally. And even back then, I could see that there was a, a huge opportunity, um, particularly I, I was working with larger multinationals and corporates at the time. And I could see that they had a need for a different kind of solution that was on the market um, as opposed to the, the sort of conventional market. And, and that was exciting. So that's how I entered the space. And then I ended up um, for a couple of years at uh, the Instant Group, which was really interesting for me because it gave me kind of hybrid Mm. opening into the operator world as well, which I've ended up in. And working with, um, well, they were were two of the largest brokers in the UK, um, and working closely with them and some of the companies um, that you must have dealt with and advising them on workspace solutions. How did those experiences help set you up for your current role at Bespoke? It's it's really important to understand how customers engage in our segment, what their perception of our marketplace is. We just view it from an operator perspective only. I think we're, we're too close-minded to what's going on in the in the wider market. So I think when you're a broker and you're interacting with the end user and then showing them a multiple range of options across a wide range of different styles of, of, of operators, it gives you a wider insight. So I think it opens your mind, first of all, and it takes you into the mindset of, of the consumer, which I think is really, really important. Uh, and, and that's held me in a huge amount of stead, I think, going forwards, because if I would have just started uh, provisioning, provisioning space from the operator side, I wouldn't have had that unique unique insights. I think being a partial broker, being able mm-hmm. to access the whole market, 
is really interesting. So I, I valued my time and I still do. I, I look back on it with, with fond memories. It also introduced me to an, an array of um, people in the sector that I would never otherwise. And again, this was mm. globally. So I've met some amazing people who run or own workspaces from Americas to Asia to Africa right across Europe. And there's some really interesting characters in our business and very people who um, who actually become friends over time. So it's been great. And speaking of um, some of the multiple range of options um, when, you, when you're on the broker side and the clients you work with, you're now working for uh, the BE Group, which has a, a, well, it has the full spectrum of workspace, doesn't it? It has co-working, serviced office, managed offices. Um, can you explain a little bit about what you do with Bespoke and how that works? And also the link between Bespoke and your co-working brand, Headspace? Yeah, I think that's a good question because going back many years to when I started, the platform was quite one-dimensional. So it was around serviced offices, which was great, but that's all it was. Now, if I was a broker, I think I'd be dumbfounded by the, the, the range of options. It's, all, it's almost... <laughs> too many, it's so um, rich and deep in terms of its offering. But it's great for the consumer because the consumer didn't have that um, range of options available to them 10 or 15 years ago. And I, I knew mm. BE offices, I knew David Saul and Simon Ross very well because when I was a broker, I was introducing business to them, particularly larger corporate business. BE was able to handle that kind of um, opportunity because they had invested heavily, firstly, in their people in terms of the service delivery that was going on around them. And B's unusual in the respect mm -hmm. it owns its own ver vertical delivery line. So we own, for example, our own cleaning company. We own our own IT company. Uh, we own our own FM business. And that's around having control of delivery. It's not just about leveraging um, savings and efficiencies through commercial models. It's more importantly about actually controlling the, the service delivery, which is really important to be and when I was introducing that business, I trusted B that they'd look after those clients, that the, the connectivity, the infrastructure, um, the quality of the office space, the, the cleanliness of the offices. The, these things are really important to, to corporates because they're trusting um, the operator to look after their, their teams and their staff. And if something goes wrong, um, it falls on the, typically on the real estate division of that corporate so BE was, was operating very successfully, but I think David, Simon and I saw an opportunity to widen our um, uh, functions that we could offer to clients. And really then we were able to say, what else could we do apart from the, 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 the sort of pro-working that BE was doing or the serviced office offering? At that point, they were also acquiring mm -hmm. a, a successful um, co-working business called Headspace, uh, which had three existing sites. Uh, and we, we knew then that we had the opportunity to create more of a multi-brand product by adding in another dimension to this model. So there was the service offices through BE, the co-working through Headspace, and then we, we created Bespoke, which was to really plug the gap in terms of that hybrid model for large users who wanted mm. the benefits of, of serviced offices or co-working, but they wanted something totally customized in their brand and image. And it, it, it felt like the right thing to do. So we developed you know, the, through discussions, the concept, and it's always difficult because you're, you're kind of building a concept. You're not exactly sure how things are going to pan out. Um, but we, we went into this um, very optimistically, but uh, 
it's it's turned out to be uh, much better, I think, than we ever anticipated, which is lovely. Fantastic. And you've just opened a couple of new locations with Headspace. Is that right? Yeah. One of the things we found is that many of the large organisations that I'm, I'm working closely with are now actually looking at space in a very different way. So even if they're looking to acquire space through conventional means, they're quite keen to see within the building they're looking at some kind of space as a service amenity. And in fact, in some cases, many of these companies will discount a building totally if it doesn't have that uh, flex space amenity built into it already, which is fascinating. This is a huge paradigm shift in the market you'd never have seen, say, five or 10 years ago, as I was indicating earlier. So we saw the opportunity, I think, to blend our brands, BE, Bespoke and Headspace, and really try to develop for the consumer the most customer-centric model that exists. We don't think anyone else can deliver these three tiers in one building, for example. And, And we see this as fundamental because we want to really try and provide to clients, big or small, something that's not around currently. And, and, and we're starting to see that. So yeah, we, we've taken some new sites th- through through Bespoke. So we've had uh, mm-hmm. requirements led by large corporates um, in places in London and across the UK, where we might have acquired, say, 20,000 square feet, where our anchor corporate client uh, takes half or three quarters of that space. And then we create in the in the rest of it a co-working amenity or serviced office provision, and that's mm-hmm. really interesting to see that that work, and really interesting to see the reaction from um, our customers who are occupying the space. And I think that you'll see more of this actually in the market. I, I think it'll become more commonplace. That's really interesting. And and when you say that clients really want that flexible space as part of their workspace, that as you say, that's a huge difference from how the industry was just a decade or so ago. Um, and I think that really points to the growth and opportunities that exist for flexible space. I, I hope one day we won't be using the term flexible space. I think we use it now. Mm-hmm. I use it a bit like you, I suppose, as, as an umbrella term encompassing co-working or uh, serviced offices or incubator yeah. space or managed space. It's a general kind of all-in all term for all of these offerings. Anything different to conventional space. But we've already seen that the market is uh, blurring. And, and the lines are crossing over more and more. Every day there's a, a new opening uh, where we're seeing competition or offerings from different elements of the market, not from incumbent operators in, in the flex space world. And I think what that demonstrates is, firstly, the supply side is changing quite radically. But secondly, demand for our, our solutions, for our spaces of service solutions, are just increasing substantially to the point that um, entrance from the hospitality world, from hotels, from developers and builders and asset owners is becoming really uh, fundamental to the growth of our sector. So I, th- I think in the future, we won't be using terms such as traditional space or flexible space or co-working. I think um, we'll be talking about uh, workspace as a general form where the customer is at the heart of the provision and there's a range of services driven around the customer uh, whether it be wellness uh, amenities or the provision of uh, cinemas or food and beverage units, um, a combination of facilities and amenities that create a kind of ecosystem for the customer, which is really that we, we want to go to. I, I was listening to um, 
Anthony Slumbers the, uh, the other day, and I think he said something that really resonated with me, which was um, companies, and forgive me, I'm paraphrasing, so Anthony, if you're listening, uh, I apologize in advance, but along the lines of companies aren't looking for an office. What they're really looking for is a productive workforce. I think that actually really sums up quite succinctly what, what, the more I spoke to customers when I was a broker and even now when I'm, I'm, I'm working with them to develop uh, customized solutions, they're not really interested in the terminology. To them, that's not important. What, what's important is are they creating an exciting and a dynamic and a safe environment for their workforce? And will it help them to, to recruit more uh, talent into their business? And will it help them retain that talent within the business? And I think that's the, the shift we're seeing, which is, again, really positive for the um, employees who work in these businesses. That's really interesting, actually. And what you were saying about terminology, um, there's been quite a lot of talk over the years about, about what the industry is going to be called. Um, it used to be serviced offices, or it still is serviced offices, and then business centers. And in the States, it was executive suites. And it's, and we're moving more and more towards the term co-working. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned pro-working a moment ago as well. What are, for those who aren't quite sure, what are the differences there with pro-working? Well, this is where it gets interesting. I think people have def different definitions for the same uh, categories. So it's all in the mm. eye of the beholder. For example, WeWork um, is well known in terms of the, the, the consumer perception as a kind of co-working brand, but many would argue actually that um, it's it sort of service offices with, with very sexy uh, collaboration space. Pro-working, I think, was really developed to differentiate between a kind of frat boy environment where, say, free beer was on tap and it was quite a loud and boisterous um, uh, community environment to something where you still benefit from the advantages of being in a community-led uh, workspace provision, but the environment perhaps is more focused on uh, a place of, of work uh, where, where events happen and um, the, the provision of those extra amenities I mentioned earlier are available. Uh, where it perhaps is slightly more mature in its outlook. And I think that's, the, well, that's my definition of the difference between pro-working, say, and co-working. But I think everyone will have their own definitions. And in a way, that's why it's a bit dangerous to harp uh, and, and focus on these uh, segment titles. But they're, they're important. And I think the reason they're important was because we're an evolving uh, industry. We're, we're relatively young still. And, and I suppose immature, if you take this in context of, traditional real estate, which has really been in existence for hundreds of years now. Um, we're an emerging segment of that market. And I think as a result, it's only natural to give our, our market segments uh, category titles. There's nothing wrong with that. I just feel that over time that will disseminate and we'll just say, you know, workspace or um, mm. you know, this is, this is the, the space that we'll be delivering and it's built around you. Um, I think these titles will become as important as they are currently. And um, you keep a, a very close eye on on uh, the market and data and trends that are emerging. Um, broadly speaking, what or where do you think the next growth surge will come from in, in our industry? For example, um, would it be more growth in out-of-town locations or is there a specific area that you think we're going to see a lot of growth in, um, in the flexible space industry? I, I really believe passionately that if we are... If, if we fundamentally believe that our solutions, our, our spaces and service solutions are better than the existing model, which is, in my view, 
uh, antiquated and unfit for purpose. If, if we believe that, it should be available everywhere and to everyone. I don't see why we should limit the opportunities to access this kind of space based on geography or uh, location. Now, there are obviously limiting factors when it comes to, to commercial models around those of us who are delivering this kind of space. So, for example, you need to weigh up how much you spend on fit out if the return on your investment is going to be lower because um, basic rental levels and income levels, uh, uh, cost of living standards, et cetera, are lower in a particular region. But fundamentally, I, I believe the growth will be everywhere. It's just who's going to be driving that growth. I, I read three fascinating um, pieces yesterday, three articles yesterday, which were really all very different in their own way, but they really, I think, said something to me about how the market is changing, where the growth is going to come. One was, if I have time for this, one was um, uh, the hotel chain at core. They were talking about rolling out through their, um, their, their flex space division. I think it used to be called, uh, it's now rebranded as Woja, and it used to be called, I think, Nextdoor. They're talking about 1,200 locations across Europe. So there's a hotelier coming into our business. Then there was a, a London um, uh, asset owner, Great Portland Estates. They're a FTSE 250 company. They've got about two, two and a half billion uh, pounds of commercial real estate assets in London. Uh, they released a, a deck that I was reading through about how they're engaging with their, their customer base. Now, this is a traditional landlord, you could argue. Um, and for the first time, you're seeing the use of the word customer instead of tenant. Uh, and they had a big middle of the deck about their engagement in the flexible arena and how they're transferring some of their existing traditional stock into to flex space. At the moment, uh, only 11% of their total portfolio is flex, but that's going to grow big, you know, to a much larger amount. And it was fascinating to read that because it could have been a WeWork deck or a, a Regis deck or, a, you know, one of our decks. It was really uh, much more forward thinking and progressive in its involvement with the end user and, and what they saw the needs of their, their end user as. And that's a, a, a radical shift. And then the third article I saw was Cushman, Cushman and Wakefield were announcing yesterday that they were opening their own uh, service to, or sorry, flex space provision uh, called Indigo, mm -hmm. not dissimilar to what CBRE have done with HANA. So this was in one day I read these three articles. And what you're seeing there is, I suppose, an endorsement in a way of our market, but also you could argue a threat to incumbent operators um, because there is huge growth. And that's because there's huge demand and because, again, in my view, the current uh, method of delivery, that, that traditional method, is just not appropriate anymore for, for businesses and for individuals. And Yeah, and all, all that competition, it, it does spell huge opportunity, but also there's, um, that presents a lot of challenges for some of the existing operators in the industry. Um, yeah. And recently, some really well-known brands have, have had to close their doors. And so in your view, what do you think workspaces need to do to thrive and, and become future-proof? Yeah, it's really sad when you, you see people um, having to shut down. And, and, and the, 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 the answer to that question is probably really complex because there are many reasons why um, some businesses mm. just haven't been able to survive. And there are going to be many, many other reasons why what they need to do to, to, to survive. I, I'm of the fundamental belief that there are probably three core ingredients to a kind of secret sauce, which isn't secret, by the way, but it's just a 
refer to it. <laughs> and, and I've been sort of going on about this, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But for me, there are three fundamental elements that anyone in the spaces of service world needs to be aware of. One is you need to understand, and if in fact more than understand, you need to be passionate about hospitality. And if, if you're not passionate about hospitality delivery, you're probably in the wrong game. It's just not right for you. You need to understand property, which is a bit of a misnomer in the sense of I've just been telling you how negatively I feel about traditional property. But particularly in, say, a U the UK market, I can't speak for all markets, but in the UK market, the traditional leasing model is extremely complex and onerous. And unless you totally understand that, then you understand the, the, the burdens and legal obligations and risks around that you could get seriously burnt. And that's why people who aren't in property should be outsourcing their real estate through spaces of service or flexible models. Property element's really important. And if you're in our business and you don't understand property or you don't understand, understand hospitality or you don't love hospitality, you've got a problem. And then thirdly, I think you need to have a really good understanding of business. Just going back to the fundamentals of, can you run a, a business properly? Because we've been, you know, we've seen instances where that's clearly not the case. I think there's a wider societal problem around that business element. We've seen so many, so much focus on growth as, as opposed to profits. And I think that's really unhealthy. Um, and, and it's not just in our segment, by the way, it's in all, all segments of the market. When, when I read about the, the sort of debacle about WeWork, the first thing that occurred to me was, there are going to be significant layoffs around this. And that affects people's livelihoods and, and lives. These are people who've got children or responsibilities or mortgages or lives that mm -hmm. they want to continue. And suddenly they're affected in such a, a negative way. It's, it's really upsetting, obviously. And I think we all have a responsibility to uh, our employees and, and our customers, obviously, to build sustainable businesses. So I think those three elements you need to get a handle on. And, and if you can't run a business and if you're just focused on growth, that's a dangerous strategy. I, I saw the other day that Uber's CEO uh, finally made a sort of admission that I think his quote was the, the, the era of growth at all cost is over. Well, it's almost like, well, of course it is. And, and why didn't anyone realize this earlier? You can't just buy market share with no repercussions. You need to think about your bottom line. Really important and as i say it's really important not just to make a profit for your business but for your customers and for your staff which are, should really come first and foremost absolutely and talking of sustainable businesses um there is some talk of a potential downturn looming um so what are your thoughts on that and what do you think workspace companies should be doing to protect themselves it's interesting I, i've been forecasting a downturn for ages and it hasn't come yet fully i mean you could argue we've been in a very difficult economic climate. In, in the UK, for example, we've really struggled with the uncertainties around Brexit um, and other issues. But um, whether or not the downturn comes, our world is very unstable anyway. And I was thinking about the instability the other day because uh, there were recently the, the, the fires across Australia and the floods, well, all over the world in many, many regions as well. And then more importantly, I was thinking of this in the context of uh, the coronavirus, and I was thinking how disruptive everything is, the socio-economic, political and environmental impacts, and how does that impact our world and our workspace world? So 
whether or not there is a downturn, and I'll talk about the impacts of whether there's a downturn or, or not, I think we're still in a very unstable world and we always will be. It's interesting to monitor the coronavirus and COVID-19 because mm. in, in, apparently in China now, um, there, there's video conferencing and, and, and task management um, platforms are just exploding at the moment. And in a, in a way, there's, there's this unplanned experiment in, in remote working uh, on its scale that no one could ever have imagined before. We're took, literally talking about hundreds of millions of people working from home now. So I think the whole premise of a fixed office is being challenged on so many levels that it'll be interesting to see how this pans out long term. In relation to specifically your question around a downward spiral in the economy, I have sort of mixed feelings on that from our point of view. I think I've seen, I've been, I'm afraid I'm old enough to have been through a few cycles. And what you tend to find is that actually inquiry levels for our space goes up because demand for more agile solutions, more flexible solutions, uh, obviously increases. People are less inclined to sign uh, long-term contracts of any kind, not just, just real estate. So I think there's certainly maybe a, 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 you get peaks in, in demand. I think where you do have, an, you know, there are negative impacts and that's around um, income and things like workstation values and, and price per square foot incomes. Uh, pressure can apply on those and create very challenging environments, particularly where in some sub-markets there could already be an oversupply. And it's interesting if you take markets like London, for example, uh, we, we've seen WeWork acquire over the last uh, four or five years around 3 million square feet of space, making them only second to the government in terms of how much that their footprint uh, takes up in London. Um, and that changes the, the landscape dramatically. So I'm sure some of these other businesses you mentioned earlier were also under pressure. It wasn't just the fact they didn't understand hospitality or they weren't good at business or they didn't understand property. I think you also have to look at, you know, how much supply is in the market um, and, and evaluate, you know, are you going into the right market at the right time? Mm. I, I think, though, we have a product that's much more suited to uh, economic cycles than, than a, a a, a traditional model where you've seen a lot of big businesses who were sort of untouchable go under. Looking ahead and given where we are today and, and, and what we know, uh, how do you think flexible space will fit into the future of work, broadly speaking? What's happening now with Corona is interesting and it's very sad, obviously, for those who are affected by, by the illness. But I think it, it's going to challenge our perceptions about um, work, workspace even more. But even taking that aside... Everything's changed, uh, Joe, for the better. I think what we're going to see is a much more customer-focused approach to real estate. And I think you'll see more and more companies who have um, sophisticated setups. They have real estate teams who, who are very, very experienced, very knowledgeable about real estate. They're not short of cash. They can self-deliver solutions. I think you'll see them engaging more and more in an outsourcing model, looking to partners um, and, and operators who are really deep in this market, who understand hospitality uh, and, and real estate, and who can blend those two elements together. And I think they'll they'll be rushing more and more to our market. So as much as people, I think, see me as slightly pessimistic, and I understand why, because I can be a bit grumpy at times. Um, I, I think there's a great future ahead of us. It's just we need to be aware of 
these other threats around us, some of which we don't even know yet where they're coming from, because there's so many people now interested in our market. We've almost created um, you know, a market that didn't exist anymore, and now we, we need to protect it. Uh, but the fact other entrants are coming in, I think, is, is, is also supporting the case that this, this is the way forward. Absolutely. And it's a vote of confidence for the industry, isn't it, when so many other big brands come into the industry? Yeah, I think it really endorses the fact that this is, this is the way that people are going to be consuming real estate. And about time, too, because in, in England, for example, the, the, the current traditional model um, really sits under a, an Act of Parliament that was written in 1954. I mean, there have been so many changes since 1994. It has been amended slightly, but generally it's, it, it's around that act. And, and when you look at even the technological advances of the last five years, say, and the, and the impact of AI in the next five years, um, you can't work in an antiquated system like that. It just doesn't make any logical sense. So we need um, a change. And I think everyone who's been in this industry should be really proud that they've actually been driving forward that change and disrupting a, a sector that was very traditional um, in, in its thinking and really averse to change. And I, I think you need to ask questions, why is it so averse to change? You know, and, and this is shaking things up and for the better, certainly consumers. To wrap things up and just before we finish, do you have any final thoughts on the flexible space industry or the future of work that you would like to share with us? I think I've probably spoken too much, Joe. Not at all. <laughs> Thank you for hearing my voice. Uh, I, I think um, it's really important to, to focus on sustainability. And I mean sustainability now from also the environmental impacts of the businesses that we create. I think the built environment has got a horrendous track record on um, uh, its sort of green um, impact or lack of impact. And we really need to see that as a fundamental focus now. Uh, at BE, for example, 75% of all our energy is sourced through renewable sources, and we're going to try and increase that amount um, uh, every every quarter. It's really, re really a key focus for us. So I think we need to focus as a sector on creating sustainable environments, uh, long-term businesses so that our clients can, can prosper and our employees can, can grow with us as well. And I think that's really, really fund really important for all of us. Absolutely. Well said. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Jonathan. Um, I've definitely enjoyed hearing from you, um, your views on where we are today and the and the future of work. So thank you for joining us and we hope to have you back on the Future of Work podcast again soon. Thanks, Joe. Really enjoyed talking to you. Brilliant. Thank you. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and Podbean. And don't forget to head over to allwork.space where you can sign up to the newsletter to receive new podcast alerts. Thanks for listening. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?